Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Holly. Hello, Holly. Today, we're going to return to our How to Teach series, and we're going to be discussing writing. But before we get to that, what have you been up to lately? Well, we started school, so I have been up to trying to manage all the facets of adding school back into our schedule while still, you know, running the house and doing my work and trying to get in some exercise. And it's only day two of school. And so far, so good. <laughs> well, that's good. You got a plan. Got to got started. Yeah. And we also were adding in some extracurriculars this year. My son is in third grade. So we went to our first 4-H meeting last night and he's going to be doing a chess club. So we've got some good activities planned. Oh, and he's doing his running series. So we're going to have a busy school year. And I think that will be good for us both and uh, get us away from some screens, a little too much screen time this summer. I think everybody has had a little too much screen time this summer and this year. So I'm glad you found things to do to get out and get moving around. And that's good. I can't believe he's in third grade already. Well, it's hard for me to believe too but um here we are he's turning nine next month time goes by so fast now what have you been up to uh well i feel like it's a little bit of a three-ring circus around here (laughs) so many things happening all at the same time like in ring one we have our home i think i mentioned last time we talked that my children are remodeling a house for us in particular my oldest daughter and her husband because the house is on their land but everybody is pitching in sweat equity and it's just coming along the way things like that do pretty quickly in some stages and then other things move slowly. But they've got experience with that. They've already had two fixer-uppers that they've done for themselves. And now I get to be part of this one, which means a lot of decisions that, you know, we're putting windows, which one do we want? Now it's time for doors. What are we going to do for this? And that is a lot of uh, things to think about. So that's going on. And then at the same time, we have back to school stuff getting going with our um, preparatory school with the homeschool hybrid school where I teach. And so that's, you know, lots of plans and a lot of activities. And then actually ring number three is kind of closed its current act. My One of my sons a few weeks ago, a hydroplane on his way to work and was in an accident, his car was totaled. So then there was all of that helping him find another car. It's hard to find a car if you don't have a vehicle to go and look for another car in. And he does not live very nearby. So it was, um, whew, it was a challenge. But uh, we are people of faith, and we have been praying for some answer to that. And I am telling you, a car just dropped right into his lap. It was amazing. But it did mean a long drive to go and pick it up. And that was all last weekend. So it was like, I'm ready. I'm glad that's that's a lot to have going on at the same time. And I had uh, seen that um, it's been hard to find good used cars. They're in short supply for some reason. So I'm glad he was able to find one so quickly. And I've seen pictures on Instagram of the little house that's uh being worked on. I'm so excited for you. I am too. I'm so excited. I'd like for some things to calm down so I can focus on being excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't of, that you know, how life is? It, oh. it kind of just um, encroaches on things so you can't properly appreciate them unless you just take a few moments 
to do that. And I think I think that's where a lot of us are um, with so many different things going on around us. We're going to get onto our topic of writing. Sometimes parents don't quite know what to do because there is a lot going on when it comes to composition. It includes not just, you know, writing a composition and writing down what you think. There are all these details about spelling and grammar and style and all the things that all the conventions around composition that we have to teach our children. And sometimes it seems like there are so many things to incorporate. Parents don't quite know where to start. Right. A lot of people talk about writing and then it gets confusing and people think maybe you mean penmanship. So if we call writing in this episode composition, the the structure of sentences and paragraphs and papers, um, that'll kind of help differentiate it from penmanship. Right. And to a degree, penmanship is part of learning composition because in the beginning, children are handwriting mm-hmm. their first sentences. And so that's why we'll want to talk about penmanship in another episode and talk about the importance of that writing becoming automatic so that they don't have to think about how to write a certain letter in order to write down their thoughts. You know, some people have said to me that um, what's the big deal people can just learn to write. But really, there are reasons why we want to make it a structured uh, instruction. Right, Melody? Oh, absolutely. We need to be purposeful about teaching good composition, Um, especially as we've seen over the last year. There are more opportunities to uh, communicate in writing online. People were needing to uh, like if they were doing school online or classes online and typing things in the chat. If you don't know how to express your thoughts, you're kind of at a disadvantage there. Right. So, um, you know, kids are not only doing virtual school, but they're playing games online. And a lot of kids have phones and they're texting. And boy, oh boy, some of that texting is kind of crazy looking. And you really don't want them to write things uh, academically in the way they text. Exactly. And I had some students last year, even when we were doing lab reports for science, and part of the instruction was no caveman language. Like, <laughs> they were giving <laughs> little, you know, like grunt type of short little sentences. And it's like, wait, 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 you need to write a complete sentence. So here we are in science talking about what is a complete sentence? It has a subject, it has a verb, you know, a capital letter, punctuation, and that whole thing. But it was coming from most or a lot of children do have phones nowadays, and they communicate with each other, like you said, with text language and abbreviated spelling and little groups of letters. I couldn't even tell you what they mean. Mm -hmm. So we really don't want to let those kind of bad habits just get entrenched right out your sentence, right out your words, but especially for your papers. Yeah. And And since you're going to be writing your whole life, it's really important to teach the principles of good writing as soon as you can. When kids want to start writing things, um, that's really a good thing to do. So how do you start? At the very beginning, when they're young, and we always learn to write our name. So like they learn that those written symbols have meaning, and that's their name. And then they will want to start writing They'll draw a picture, like, tell me about your picture. And we'd write a caption on the picture. And that is really where we started was like, what is this? Do you want to write a story to go with it? And I would write down what they said. Um, So that was really narration, which Charlotte Mason fans are 
know all about. Like you tell me a story, I'm writing down your words. I can mm-hmm. tell it back to you. So that helps them understand this is the purpose of competitions. This is the purpose of writing, it's communicating. And right. that is, you know, in a really informal way, that's how we got started. What do y'all do? Well, pretty much a similar thing. When my children wanted to start writing notes, um, you know, I would help them and I would say, oh, well, um, your name starts with a capital because it's a proper name. You know, so I'd give them that little bit of information. Oh, we start a sentence with a capital letter. What kind of sentence is that? So, you know, you start on their level, things that make mm-hmm. sense to them. Um, and, you know, children naturally want to tell you all about things so you can get them involved in descriptive writing. Um, we were just talking. So my son just started grammar this year in third grade. And I said, you know, if you have a sentence like I threw a ball, we don't know very much about that ball. What color was it? Was it large or small? How far did it go? To whom did you throw the ball? And I was like talking to him about how there are so many more words that you can add to a sentence that make um, more understanding or give more information. So um and he thought, oh, yeah, that that is pretty cool. And that's where we start. We start with things that make sense to them. You're not going to take a first or second grader and have them write a research paper. You're just working right now at a small sentence. Right. I came across a book years ago called Any Child Can Write by Harvey S. Weiner. And uh, he has some really good, Not it's not really curriculum, it's not step-by-step, but the basic idea behind that was to start with personal experiences. And from the information in there, I guess, I don't know if it was understanding writing, which is not available anymore. But we we started with something that had happened and we would write about it. And first we would write a sentence like you were talking about the ball and learn to incorporate, you know, some descriptive Ideas, we talked about learning to write with sensory words. What did you see? What did you hear, taste? What did it smell like? How did you feel? And learn how to describe things so that somebody else can get the same idea that you're trying to express. And then we worked on those sentences, and then we learned to write a three-sentence paragraph, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we learned to write, like, the three-sentence paragraph for us was three sentences about the same thing that tell you different things. It might be, I got a new red ball for my birthday. I went outside with mom, and we threw it all the way down the yard. It rolled into the ditch, and I got wet when I got it out. Like, something like that, where we just oh, were describing, gotcha. you know, three three different aspects or three somethings that happened about that. Sometimes I had one of my ch- children... Uh, had a cactus. Someone gave them a cactus. It was their very own cactus in a pot on the porch. And so one day I told them they were going to write three sentences about the cactus. And they thought that was going to be pretty hard. Mom, what can I say? It's sharp. And <laughs> it went out there and I made the, I had them look really closely just at the cactus. And when he did, he discovered something had laid some kind of an egg sac on one of the spines of the cactus. And so then he had something to write about and went, wrote his sentences about describing this egg sac on the spine of the barrel cactus. And then we watched that thing. And lo and behold, tiny praying mantises hatched out of that. And it was the most amazing thing we would never have even noticed if he hadn't had to really sit down. And I, 
one of the things I did have them focus was to look through a toilet paper roll or like turn their hand into a spyglass, you know, the way you do and oh, uh-huh. try to just narrow your, your focus or your vision, whatever you're looking at. So you're just describing one small part of something. What a fun little exercise that must be. Oh, I have to try that with my, with my little guy. They didn't always like it. <laughs> mm, well, you know, children are often resistant to things we think will be fun. I try not to say things are fun before I do them. I just say, hey, we're going to try this technique. And then if he decides it's fun, cool. If he doesn't think it's fun, I didn't tell him it was going to be fun to begin with. So I don't have to hear any complaining about uh, that. So that is um, good. That's good wisdom. For, <laughs> I mean, that applies to a lot of things, Holly. This is true. Just don't, don't you know, hard sell things. And usually it's better. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things I would like to share about teaching writing involves actually reading good literature to your children. Because um, if you read books that are abridged, the sentences are shorter, they don't contain as much descriptive language. And so, you know, when you use good resources, your children will pick up a lot of descriptive language that they can then incorporate into their own writing. So we're not actually talking about literature in this episode, but it's kind of hard to divorce writing and reading good works of literature from each other, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. The best writers read because that's where we, we get practice with, you know, the rhythm of language and the structure of sentences and what makes the writing flow. I think um, one of my favorite things to do is to read aloud with the kids and then to use the, the great sentences in there to see if you can model a sentence. You know, can you write a sentence with this kind of pattern? And uh, to give it a try. And that's just one good way to to learn from the masters. There are people who really have honed their craft and they're excellent writers. Sometimes, you know, um, you'll get a book like we checked out piles of books from the library. And way back in the day, they didn't have a limit, but now they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we would bring home like a laundry basket full of, of books. And there was one time. Uh, I think this was actually a book we bought at a garage sale. We bought a box of books at a garage sale. And there was one book in there that was the worst writing ever. (laughs) That book was so hard to read. Like it would kind of start to fall into a rhythm and kind of rhyme and then it wouldn't. And so reading that book was like the worst thing ever. It's the only book I've ever thrown away. I would never throw it away, but it was so bad. I was like, nobody else has to, should have to suffer through this book. So your point about really good literature, like the, the classic things that are written, the things that have won the Newbery Awards, things where the writing is so good, you want to expose your children to those ideas and that type. And it really does influence us, whether we realize it, you know, or not. It's It's just kind of one of those things in the background that helps shape our writing and helps it improve. Another thing I was just going to say, another thing we can mention about the value of reading good books is vocabulary. Yes, exactly. Haven't you ever noticed um, what an extensive vocabulary young children have when they're not readers? And you'll hear those words. I remember when we first read Babar the Elephant, I overheard my son playing and things were about to fall off the precipice. 
Oh, that's lovely. not a word that we really use very often, but he knew what it meant. He was using it in his, in his play. And, and there are a lot of words like that that have just become part of our vocabulary because they first met them in a book. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we return, we will focus in on the mechanics of writing. The Happy Homeschooler podcast is sponsored by Transcript Maker, an online service that allows you to create a professional high school transcript in the comfort of your own home. Well, you know, lots of students are entering high school this year, and a great way to get ahead of things is to start a transcript right now. It's never too early to get started to create a transcript for your student. I like to start in ninth grade input the courses they're going to take and then go back into my subscription later and add the grades. It's really hard to do it all at once when you're looking at college application season. If people are interested, they can take advantage of the 14-day free trial and give it a test drive to see how they like it and see what we're talking about. Our listeners can save 20% off their subscription when they use our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Don't wait until college application. Make your transcript now. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half, we talked a little bit about why composition is important and how you want to teach your children to communicate. Now, it's a good habit that will last your whole life long. In the second half of the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about the mechanics, how to teach spelling, how to teach grammar, uh, and our favorite resources. So, Holly, do you have a favorite you want to start off with? What about, let's take spelling. So, teaching spelling, um, at the very beginning, what I normally will do is just help my child spell the things they're trying to write. Not a really formal program, but about third or fourth grade, I do like to incorporate some kind of a sequential spelling system. And I've used a couple different ones. Um, one of my favorites is Natural Speller by Katherine Stout. Um, and it works with uh, sound patterns. Some spelling curriculums work with word families, and that might work better for some kids. What about you, Melody? Well, we started off with uh, writing Road to Reading, basically because it was available. And it's phonics-based, so we were learning the sounds associated with the print and then spelling small words, sounding them out and writing them down. I didn't really use it the way that it's laid out in the book. That might make people gasp and faint, but <laughs> it worked because we were, it was that whole, you know, this, it, we would be looking at the letter A, it makes A. A off. And so we worked with all those letters like that. And it did not take long for the kids to just start putting words together. At the same time, I was using um, ideas that come from Ruth Beechick's little booklet about how to teach reading, just about that, like you said, this is your name, here are the letters, this letter says this sound. And we just began to learn the sounds of the letters. And they were sounding things out as we would drive down the road. Or I would point to small things in the books that we were reading aloud to them that we could sound out. We would sound those out. And we always had magnetic letters on our refrigerator, like always. And so mm -hmm. people are rearranging little notes. And here, Mom, read this. And it's some string of 50 letters. You can't read that word. But 
we would write little things and practice just, you know, if you have P-A-T and you change the, the P to an H, now what do you have? And little, little, we just played with words and played with letters and played with sounds. And so in a really casual way, introduced spelling. Uh, some of my children were naturally good spellers. We actually used natural speller a little bit too. That's a great resource. But I did have one child for whom spelling was a challenge. And most things she could spell really well, but there were a few, I guess, spelling patterns that just didn't stick for her. And I was trying to find a way to, to help her with this. Some of the things I did was to pull out words from her compositions, the things that she misspelled and study those things. And I discovered finally uh, a little packet, Tricks of the Trade and How to Teach Your Child Spelling by Gail Graham which mm-hmm. saved the day for this child because you're cataloging their spelling errors. And lo and behold, there were just, that's how we discovered which patterns were given her problems. And once she learned those, uh, her spelling improved like a hundred percent. It was, it was wonderful because everybody was relieved that she wasn't making so many mistakes anymore. I also used, um, how to teach any child to spell by Gail Graham with a couple of my kids when they were in high school. And it's a very easy approach to remediating spelling issues for kids who struggle a little more with spelling. Um, My youngest son, he's um, doing things a lot online and he has run into the issue. um, How do you know when a word starts with a K or a C? And so we've been working on that spelling issue that, you know, if it has an A sound after it, it's going to start with a C. If it has an I sound, it generally will start with a K. Um, Those things come up a lot. And again, you can teach them informally or you can teach them formally. But they're going to be things that your children will run into when they're trying to write. So I just found it easier to have a spelling curriculum that kind of guided me through it. And then as other words came up, I would address those. Um, Sometimes it's not in the order of the curriculum. You don't have to ignore it when it shows up. You know, if you're not working on words that begin with a K and words that begin with a C, but your kid's trying to spell cake with a K, go (laughs) ahead and address it. (laughs) Exactly. And we did the same thing. And I most, almost everything is going to work. And you can find a way to make your curriculum work. And it was easier to just have something that we just worked our way through that's kind of what writing red reading was a word list and we just worked through that and a lot of it was just reinforced by when they started reading good books you're seeing those words in print and that helps to reinforce it and then when we're you know writing letters to people or things like that but I it's not that's one of the areas I didn't just you know go with the flow we had a program that we were following to make it easier for me, listing somebody else had already thought it through and I could just benefit from that. Yeah, and, and most early phonics programs you use will address spelling. I use phonics pathways and it um as it's teaching the sounds and you know, like Q U says qua, you're also naturally learning some of the spelling patterns that go with those phonics rules. So um it's kind of layers, you know, as you go along. It's true, and we're going to put resources in the, in the show notes so people can find the ones we're talking about. But whatever any people are using will work. I don't want people to feel like they need to go out and buy something new. 
Yeah. And there's no perfect curriculum. I've seen a lot of people say lately, what's the best curriculum for a first grader? That's subjective. Mm -hmm. So um, you don't have to try to find the best one. You can just look for something if it fits your budget and it maybe dovetails with your kid's learning style and your teaching style. And we talked about those in previous episodes, then give it a try. It should be suitable. I agree. Sure, agree. I might have to make one small exception, though, if we're talking about grammar. Uh, I do have a favorite that, to me, I would be tempted to call it the best, but that was easy grammar because well, it was so easy. I to have use. to agree with you, and I have that sitting on my desk. I have uh, Easy Grammar Plus, which um, is for high school students generally, eighth grade and older, and then mm-hmm. I have Easy Grammar Grade Three for my third third grader um so i i've never used another grammar program sorry (laughs) i can't really speak to other ones but this one is so easy tell us why it's so easy i love it because you start with uh prepositions you learn how to identify prepositions and prepositional phrases and once you can lift those out of the sentence then it's so much easier to discover the subject and predicate what's the noun and what's the verb and before we got into a formal study of grammar we had been talking about you know nouns and subjects and what's the feeling of action and what are your action words and they kind of had an idea that a sentence needed a feeling of beginning and a feeling of ending it had to have a subject that somebody it was talking about and what they did so they kind of knew and they were set up for learning it more formally but easy grammar just made it uh, almost painless and it worked my kids understood it they still can identify parts of a sentence so we didn't diagram sentences but we, no, did. we didn't either <laughs> I have can I? go ahead oh I was just gonna say so when my middle daughter went to college and let me back up before that my kids did not like memorizing prepositions I think every single one of them complained about it however When my middle daughter went off to college in her freshman English class, the instructor had to teach college students what prepositions were. And my daughter was very thankful that she already knew them and she was able to have some success in that class right out of the gate. So it really was easy and it really does teach effective grammar principles. Oh, I agree. And then The other thing about both spelling and grammar is that we're not teaching them in isolation. We are focusing on them to fine tune them a little bit, but we're teaching them in the context of writing your composition. Like if you're coming up and you're writing about something and it's not making sense or it's not working, that's when you pull out the mechanics. Let's look and see, can we evaluate and figure out why isn't this working? What are you trying to say? You know, do you need to rearrange your sentence? Do you need to add in a prepositional phrase or take one out? Do you need a better adverb or do you need better adjectives? I mean, then you have tools with which to talk about what's going on with your composition. Exactly. It's a toolkit for being able to write effectively. Right. Well, you write a lot as a, you know, uh, blogs and things like that. Which of these kinds of resources have you used for yourself? Things that you've used with your children. Have you found that valuable for yourself? 
Yeah, as a writer, and and also I was in college a few years ago, so I had to write a lot of things. There are different style books that one would use to help them with their writing, and I did use some of those with my high school students. Um, If you're writing for certain publications, you would need to use um, Strunk and White's uh, style book. I can't remember the exact title of it. Have you used that, Melody? The Elements of Style. There you go. The Elements of Style. I love that book. Yes. Yeah, um, if you're writing for college um, things, they have a certain um, rule book that you use. If you're writing for um, news, some news sources, you have to write in AP style. So there are lots of rules about style, and you have to know who your audience is, what rules to use. But Strunk and White is a very good one for high school students. I agree. And I remember we I introduced parts of that to my junior high children as well, just reading parts of the style section about, like you said, choosing your audience and figuring out what to what even your word choice and your your phrasing and your topic, of course, uh, for teaching composition. I don't want us to forget to mention things like writing letters to friends and relatives, because that, you know, that audience personally and that can you know what are they interested in and they can write you back or things like uh, keeping a journal I had my kids keep a journal because it helped them practice writing down what they were thinking and Mm -hmm. uh, narration is composition because you're figuring out what happened first and then what happened and what happened next and later this happened and at the end so teaching them how to structure a story or how to structure, you know, a topic. That's part of composition too, even when it's narration. Right. One of the resources I used to teach comp- composition was Comprehensive Composition by Catherine Stout. Um, she was also the writer of Natural Speller. Comprehensive composition can be used beginning with first graders, and it takes you all the way through high school. And it's really important that as you teach writing, um, that kids understand to evaluate and write different types of writing. So you have descriptive writing, you have persuasive writing. We, we're all victims of that when people are trying to sell us something, right? They're <laughs> 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 trying to convince us to buy something. Um, we've got narrative writing. Um, you know, we have to learn how to do outlines. There's a lot to composition that um, people will need as they go to college and and beyond. So um, I highly recommend getting some type of a composition resource to teach composition, especially if you don't feel like that's your most effective form of communication is in writing. You really want to have something effective. What did you use for composition, Melody? Well, the, the resource I use, I don't think it's available anymore. It was Understanding Writing by Susan Bradrick, and it went from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. It, it incorporated a lot of principles of that book I mentioned um, by Harvey Weiner, and so it was just all laid out, and I could pick it up. Basically, we were writing, starting with descriptive writing, from personal experiences and then on into narratives, and it ended up going through essays and research and things like that. Uh, for high school, though, I wanted something a little more step-by-step that my children could pick up and use. And we experimented some with, um, oh, it's called format writing. As I were practicing how to write a five-paragraph essay. And that book was 
handy for some of my children. They did a lot of writing with our unit studies. So it may just be that those those um, assignments came from our CONOS unit studies. Oh, uh, sure. And then we did use that high school uh, curriculum from CONOS, which is very heavy in the writing. And so they wrote a lot and it helped and it mattered. And I know when my daughter took a, an English class in college, she was pleased to discover that her her writing wasn't A quality and I wasn't just giving her a grade, which I wouldn't do anyway, but I actually earned the same grade from the college professor and and realized that this is the, this is the standard of writing. So keep working on it. And then we don't want to forget to mention if writing is a struggle for you or you're not comfortable with writing, there are outside classes where people are, um, teaching, writing, or you can find someone who will like using a Google document and do some editing and things that way back and forth and work with your child. There's so much available now that we didn't have back when I started. Right. That, um, you can find a way to, to help your children become good writers, whether you're doing it yourself with a really solid curriculum or you farm that out to someone in a class. It's really important. It's an important area not to overlook. Yes, because we have to write all of our lives, and we want to be able to send people out as good writers. Now, I know a lot of people will say, you know, how do I find these different curriculums, or how do I how do I know which one is a good one? And we've already said there's not one that's the best, but you can go to Kathy Duffy Reviews, and Kathy Duffy has gone through so much curriculum, so you can look up spelling. You can look up grammar, writing, any kind of curriculum, and you can read the reviews of each of these types of curriculum. And that might help you make a decision if you're not, somebody hasn't already said, hey, you know, you should use this curriculum. Um, That's a good place to get more information before you spend your precious homeschool budget. It sure is. And it's, she's been doing that for so long. It's a really solid site. There's so much information on there. KathyDuffy.com. And another place you can go and look is Rainbow Resource. They also have a pretty extensive review of each thing in their catalog. Oh, yes. And their prices are good, too. That's right. I spent spent quite a bit of money with them this year getting my curriculum in order. (laughs) I did, but I would have spent a lot more elsewhere. So I'm very happy to purchase from them. So before we wrap up today, Holly, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners about teaching writing? Well, I do. Um, So I'm teaching a a nine-year-old writing, but I've taught five other people to write. And it's really gratifying to know and to see that my adult children were able to learn to write effectively and that the resources that were available to me to help teach them um, did the job. Isn't that so nice? There are some times when I will have to stop and admire something that one of my children has written, like it's crafted well, or they have great vocabulary, or they're just really well-spoken. And it's a real delight to realize that all of the things that we did through the years did achieve the right results. Yeah, so people stick with it. They can get those results for themselves and children too. At this time in our podcast, we like to answer a big question. Holly, what question do we have for today? 
Well, um, people are asking what can they do if they decided to homeschool at the last minute because um, of the COVID situation again, and they want to know what can they do and what are their next steps. Right. I think a lot of people thought they were going to go back into in-class learning and then their plans changed. Or people, there were some people that were still thinking they wanted to uh, continue homeschooling, but now they're not sure what to do. Yeah, I think a lot of it is more the people who thought, uh, you know, after COVID homeschooling last year, they were sending their kids back to public school. But here we are with uh, the Delta variant swirling around. And I, I have been seeing so many people on my homeschool lists um, asking what to do. And last year we had a lot of episodes that addressed pandemic homeschooling, how to find low cost or no cost curriculum. So um, I do want to refer folks back to those episodes, but um, what are the, the top three things we could tell them to do right now? Uh, one thing would be to make a decision. I think like we've talked to about before, you just have to decide what you're going to do. Then you can move forward one way or the other. So if you decide you're going to homeschool, I would say the first thing to do is go listen to some of those earlier episodes. Go and see uh, what curriculum you can find online. Like if you're really pressured to start right away, look for some of those online resources that you can use. Ambleside Online, Easy Peasy Homeschooling, things like that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would also say that if your children were enrolled in school, you need to withdraw them and follow the uh, recommendations of your state homeschool group on how to do that. Um, because if you don't withdraw them properly, you're going to get a visit from a truant officer. And that's not a great first start in homeschooling. No, we should make that step number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and then you're right. If you weren't planning to homeschool, you probably don't have a little pile of money to buy curriculum. So looking for things that are low cost or no cost. Um, Khan Academy um, has resources for kids from, I believe, kinder now all the way up through high school. Mm -hmm. And they're, again, pointing you back to the episode we had for no cost, low cost homeschooling. That will get your foot in the door. And then the third thing I would say is just get plugged in mm -hmm. to Find your local your homeschool groups. They are going to be the ones that help you. Um, there be the local Facebook homeschool groups will have uh, social opportunities. The other thing I've seen people saying in uh, conjunction with uh, homeschooling all of a sudden or you were going to send your kid back to school, but now you're not. They've been mentioning socialization. Socialization should not be a problem for homeschoolers if you take advantage of the many opportunities that homeschoolers have for you. So uh, we like to do uh, social park days. In fact, this Thursday, we're going to be doing a park day at a splash pad. The day that the public schools go back in our county, um, we're going to the splash pad to have fun with some homeschool friends. So get your kids out of school properly by withdrawing them. Look for some cheap, inexpensive curriculum. That doesn't mean it's not good curriculum, but it's not going to cost you a lot. And get plugged in. Those would be my top three. Would you add anything? Should we make four? No, those are the three that were, I would say to start with. Just get started. And as you go, you'll fine-tune your, your program. But you can always, you know, ask us for some more help if you need it. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com.
like our page and join our group on Facebook at facebook.com slash happy homeschool pod. Check out our Instagram at instagram.com slash happy homeschool pod. Follow us on Twitter at underscore homeschool pod. And subscribe to the Happy Homeschooler podcast on YouTube. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-host is Holly Williams-Urbach. This episode was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find our music on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. <laughs>